0: Welcome to the podcast. It's a great show today. You don't want to miss it. Uh, We have the one, the only Bill O'Reilly, who joins us for an hour today to go through what has gone on in the last week. There's always a lot, and Bill always has a great perspective on it. We then um, also talked to Madison Cawthorn. He's uh, the youngest member of Congress, Republican. Uh, he has been, of course, targeted. That he's very much a threat uh, to the left, and they have been coming after him. We go through that. And we talked to small business owners from around the country that you have come together as an audience to be able to help through the COVID uh, craziness, people whose businesses were really on the on the verge of collapse you guys have stepped up and are, have helped them in dramatic ways. We go through that with the people you've helped on today's program as well. Don't forget to join blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Uh, you can get a subscription to Blaze TV and save 30 bucks off. We There's a lot of stuff we're on today. Glenn and I are both on with Steve Dace today. We're on with Dave Rubin today. Dave Rubin's on my show, Studios America today. Lots of great stuff coming up on the Blaze. In
1: fact...
0: Ince- it's, a, it's an incestuous day at police tv here's the podcast
2: you're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program
1: ladies and gentlemen from his tour recently at carnegie hall mr bill o'reilly the author of uh, Killing Crazy Horse and Killing the Mob, which I actually received this week, Bill. I have it. Have the copy.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to get into it, but how difficult it to get anything to you. But <laughs> first I want to say yeah. that I'm going to offer up uh, Mass on Sunday for your daughter. No, thank you. And then and, and privately, of course, if there's anything I can do to help. Oh, no, family. no, there's not. I appreciate no, but it. I, you know. You never know. We have a lot of clout, um, but whatever you need. (laughs) No,
1: she's in an amazing hospital, and it's just, it's really odd uh, with COVID that, you know, people aren't allowed to be with their loved one. One person is allowed in, and so she selected her sister to be with her the whole time, and uh, we just have to wait, and I mean, we can't be at the hospital, can't be with her when she comes out. It's just, it's a weird time. Anyway, Bill, where do, we, where do we even begin with this week's news?
3: All right, so I was surprised that Biden outed himself as this um, very enthusiastic progressive this week. I thought he would ease into that. <laughs> My analysis on BillOReilly.com was that he really doesn't have any core values, Joe Biden. And I'm not saying that with any malice. But if you look at his uh, career... He's changed on every issue, including abortion, which is really hard to change on that unless you have an epiphany. He had an epiphany the other way. <laughs> um, so, you know, my assessment of Biden was and I said this throughout the campaign and after if you elect him president, you're getting a malleable guy, you're getting a guy who's basically going to court favor with his party in the press. And the two press that he is most enamored with are the New York Times and Washington Post. What people don't understand is that Joe Biden wants the approval of these newspapers and that they are guiding him more so than Schumer or Pelosi or any of the others, the Obamas, that he wants to see those papers praise him on a daily basis. That is what he lives for. So when you're going to take that turf, these are far left newspapers. They're not moderate left. They're far left. The USA is a bad country. It always has been from George Washington onward. And we got to wreck it and build a new country. So That's essentially ex- what
1: Explain. Ex- explain to me then. If he wants the approval, he is now up to 40 executive orders. The fascist dictator that didn't leave office, Donald Trump, um, did six, six in his first week. Um, Joe Biden has done 40, uh, a a world record for presidents of the United States. And the New York Times came out their editorial board and said, stop. Stop with the executive orders.
3: Yeah, but you didn't read the full thing. Back. I did. I did. It said "It said stop because you're making it harder for us to get our progressive agenda passed in Congress forever. Correct. Because Americans are getting nervous. It wasn't scolding Biden for being a progressive loon. That's not what it was. It was hold it. Your strategy is not good hold back a little so Put a little I, subterfuge in there word of the day well it
1: was it right. was more than that it was like look you're just undoing donald trump stuff the first few were just undoing donald trump stuff and if you want lasting change you have to go through congress but here's the here's the um I- interesting uh, point on this i don't think that anyone truly understands joe biden's uh, real agenda, or the uh, or the uh, the magnitude of force behind him. They learned from Barack Obama. You have two years, and you really have the first hundred days where everyone will give you a pass. So you got to jam it in right now before something happens. And there's a Tea Party organized, or or anybody knows what to do. Everyone's still talking about the last president. Just do all of it right now. I think that's what's really happening.
3: I don't disagree. Because they're very nervous, the progressives, that they'll lose Congress in two years. So they want to jam everything up now, uh, get it in stone if possible, and drive the United States into a socialist state. That's the goal. I mean, they want... The government to run the economy and dole out to the favored groups. That's what the equity thing is. Yep. All of the largesse that comes
0: from Washington. So
1: I, I will tell you, Bill. I've had a, I've kind of have a, a different view on on exactly what you just said, and I've been saying the same thing. We're headed towards a socialist state. We're not. We're actually becoming an oligarchy. Um, what What is happening right now is. The the use of these divisions, the use of these favored status um, is very convenient right now. But the money, the real money is not going to be going to those groups. The real money is going to these oligarchs, these giant companies and CEOs and those with connections and those who will play ball with the new, you know, great reset agenda of, of climate change, union jobs, et cetera, et cetera.
3: I think that remains to be seen. I think that these uh, marginalized groups, as, as President Biden has described them, will receive a lot of favorability. Yeah, I agree with that. On the on the on the other side, I, I'm not convinced that there is a blueprint to enrich the social media titans um, by the federal government. I think that they are they have an alliance. Um, the left-wing Democratic Party certainly allies with Silicon Valley, but you've got to remember that the, the, the uh, Amazons and the uh, Facebooks and the Twitters, they developed something that people all over the world want, and no one's going to divert that. They've amassed trillions of dollars and amazing amount of power because of what they developed in the capitalist marketplace. They not have anything to do with any politician. Now, these people are incredibly powerful as we saw with taking Donald Trump's megaphone away from mm-hmm. them. You can do that to a president. You can do it to anybody. So I've started a free speech movement, nascent very, very early. I'll tell you more about it next Friday. Okay. Um, it's gathering steam. It's going to be like the tea party. At least then, Americans will know what's happening because Americans, you know, they're addicted to the phones They're looking at the screen. They don't really know what the big picture is. But I'm not I'm not dialed in yet. And you may be right, but I'm not there yet. I would have to see more facts that there is a collaboration between the federal government and Silicon Valley. There is a sympathy and alliance, but I don't think it's an organized collaboration. Uh, well, I
1: think uh, let me give you this. You you know about the Made in America executive order that uh, says the government agencies are going to have to work closer with U.S. businesses rather than paying foreign businesses, and it seems great on the surface. However, the Made in America office, which the acronym actually is M A O Mao, Mao uh, <laughs> the uh, they are um, they say they are going to work. Um, uh, let me give you this uh, let me give you this exact quote. This order is deeply intertwined with the president's commitment to invest in American manufacturing, including clean energy, critical supply chains, growing good paying union jobs and advance, inva- advance uh, racial equity. So what they're what they're saying now is if you're not part of the clean energy, racial equality thing, if you don't have the right kind of people on your board, if you are not doing critical race theory, uh, th- you're not going to get any federal money. So they are. Well, that's true. I mean, look, changing true. businesses and bringing them into the fold.
3: But there are very few private businesses connected to the federal government. It's not an overwhelming amount. But if you want a federal contract, you're going to have to, you know, bring in um, a, a rainbow of people to sit there and say, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. we're having a great time working for Lenny. So let's get the contract. I mean, sure.
1: I, I, um, I'm going to send you a rough. I'm going to send you a so rough copy. On
3: the same, we're on the same path. Yeah. But I'm not a conspiracy kind of guy because I know how incompetent the federal government is mm-hmm. and the state government, too. Well, I mean, they just can't execute stuff like this. <clears throat>
1: I'm not a conspiracy guy either, except when there is a conspiracy. Um, it's not a theory. It's a fact. And uh, I'm going to send you an early draft of uh, the book uh, on the Great Reset that I'm writing right now. Bill, you you have to see what they're doing in Davos this week. Um, it is that now they some of these people actually truly believe this is going to be great. But it's called stakeholder capitalism and it is i mean they are saying this week capitalism is dead and it's going to be replaced with stakeholder capitalism and these are the titans uh of the world i mean the build back better thing that's happening all over the world that is about stakeholder capitalism you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program Let me go to Katherine Hill. She is the owner of Miss Kitty's Lounge. Uh, she was on with us oh, about four weeks ago, I think. Uh, she grew up an animal lover and an advocate, and she rescues animals, and she kept them or found them a new home. She was doing this, uh, you know, at the age of 13, and she's been doing it ever since. Well, she opened up a neighborhood bar called Miss Kitty's Lounge, in california uh named miss kitty uh, because she saves cats the rent was always paid on time every month everything was fine uh until the pandemic struck at the same time she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer she underwent six months of chemotherapy 15 rounds of radiation and a radical mastectomy uh cancer has been a tough journey. She continues to fight and she kept her lounge going all the way through it. She was managing all the way through when the pandemic struck, she was closed down by executive order. She had no income. She wasn't able to pay the rent. And, uh, all of this just started to really destroy her life. Um, her, um, her efforts were destroyed and her, uh, her landlord was not uh, exactly a friend of people who are struggling. So she's on with us now. Hi, Catherine. How are you?
2: Hi, how are you doing?
1: Good. The last time you were on, I think I you were one of those that I had to cut short on your story. And I love your story so much. And I love the fact that when we told you that we wanted to raise some money, you were one of the businesses we selected um you said I, I i don't want any of the money if you raise any money give it to uh cancer uh yes. so you selected a uh um uh, a, uh, a charity can you tell me about the charity
2: well it's um all their profits go to research cancer research for stage four which i'm stage four now um and so, like, very little cancer research money usually goes to stage four. So, Metaviver. Why,
1: why is that? I don't know. Okay, and it's
2: so the last cancer. So,
1: so Metaviver. What do they do?
2: 100 percent of um, the money goes to stage four cancer research, and so that's we're chasing the science right now. I'm on a new drug. We have a lot of hope for it. The one I'm on now is, was just approved in April. So we're just chasing the science. So that's you know where it's at.
1: Well, I, um, I, I'm thrilled to say that this audience is just truly amazing. They raised a total of $252,593. Uh, we have four small business owners and something else I'm gonna tell the audience about. Um, but that means Metaviver uh, is going to receive a check in your name for $50,000. Wow. So
2: That's amazing.
1: thank you for sharing. How are you feeling?
2: I'm better like this. The new treatment I'm on is, is, um, a lot easier than the last I was on. So.
1: And what do the doctors say?
2: Um, we're just hope, you know, just we're, you grab onto whatever hope you can. Yeah. And live the best life now, you know, I'm with your family, hug them close.
1: Yeah. Our, 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 um, our thoughts and our prayers. And I know people ridicule that, but I know this audience and they, uh, are praying for you and will pray for you and, and your family. God bless you.
2: Thank you. Thank Thank you. you.
1: Um, we, uh, have several people that we want to talk to, quickly here um i don't know if you remember joe crowley he is uh a breakaway this is a uh, he opened his first restaurant in 1993 and uh he bought this property just 20 minutes out of downtown boston and it was a i mean it's a historic site it has a uh Uh, a great heritage and he really was working to bring it all back well then covid uh happened uh they remain closed they are looking now at a march reopening hopefully uh the founder and the owner of breakaway is joe crowley and he's with us now hi joe how are you joe are you there yes i am hey how are you
4: I'm doing great. Good to hear from you again.
1: Yeah. So tell me what has happened since we last spoke. You were in pretty dire straits the last time we spoke.
4: Yes. Well, uh, Glenn, first and foremost, my health is getting better. Uh, I know we spoke about, you know, I had a heart attack in the yeah. fall. Uh, and, and I'm getting stronger and better and and my family's supportive. And uh, we're very grateful um, for that. Uh, as, as an establishment, we still closed. Uh, We still have a full layoff of employees uh, in in the state. Uh, We're we're just now looking to possibly uh, have a March or an April opening, um, which we're not allowed to have live entertainment in the building yet. Uh, People really are not willing to commit to having functions and and fundraisers and gatherings. So it's really a sit and wait. The vaccine rollout in in the state has been um, very disorderly, very slow. You're hearing stories about freezes being unplugged and thousands of vaccines, you know, being thrown away. Uh, the elderly and the school teachers are having trouble making appointments. So we're waiting for food service to come up uh, to protect our employees. Um, and I think when they when the vaccine roll, rollout gets a little smoother, um, we can start eyeing and reopening, uh, maybe having some outdoor concerts when the weather Today's 90 degrees outside, so, you know, we're not, we're not looking to get outside. Nine. Get
1: outside. For so uh, many reasons, Joe. Come to Texas for so oh, many reasons. Um, my wife's
4: a big fan. She wants us to be down there.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. Um, so, Joe, I, I I want you to know uh, that we have, this audience has raised just a ton of uh, money and this doesn't make a dent in what you guys are facing, um, but uh, we have divvied the money up, and we have a check for you uh, and Breakaway for eighty four thousand five hundred eighty four dollars and seventy four cents.
4: Oh wow, that's that was completely unexpected. Um, well, I, I I have no words. I I you know I will let my crew know and my management know as soon as. We come off the five of no words, Glenn. Um you are such an advocate for small business and within the last year and and you your 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 show and I, I'm speechless and knowing everyone that knows me knows I'm never speechless. I, <laughs> thank you.
1: You're um, you're welcome. It is the audience, it's not me, it's the audience. We're wow. all in this together. Um I, I mean I this audience is a small business audience and I grew up in the bakery of my uh, the back of the bakery of my dad's bakery, and uh, he lost his business in the end. And I know what it's I know what it's like to struggle as an entrepreneur and a uh, and a small businessman. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to be a spokesperson for millions of Americans that uh, share your pain and understand it and wanted to help you out.
4: Well, I'll tell you, we, we're uh, with this news that you're giving me now. We, we're going to meet as a uh, management group next week, and we're going to start making plans to um, to definitely get that spring opening, maybe sooner than we would have before, maybe March, uh, e- even if it means bringing a dozen employees back. We, we're going to get right at it with that fund, and uh, I, I I cannot thank you enough. That's it's unbelievable.
1: It's great, Joe. Thank you so much. Pay it forward, brother. Thank you. Uh, man, it feels good, doesn't it? It just feels so good. I don't know why. Uh, it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. I don't know why our governments and our, you know, they've put these people out of business and how they're not helping is beyond me. But when we all work together together. Um, We can do something incredible and something that maybe governments shouldn't be doing uh, anyway, unless they're putting us out of business. (laughs) All right. I want to take you to California to the other coast. Now, Uh, cronies is a sports grill and uh, the uh, the owner or co-owner Dave folds is a guy who started his first location 30 years ago in Ventura, California. Uh, they say they have the coldest beer and the best buffalo wings around he has uh five locations and they last time we spoke in fact he's on with us now dave last time we black good last time we spoke it was really uh trouble for you you're still uh are you open with outdoor dining or can you have you been able to open back up yet
5: well, we have five stores, but the uh, Agora store is the store that, uh, my partners and I chose to defy the orders and, um, and, uh, they're allowing outdoor dining again, which is kind of crazy because I think it was just an arbitrary decision, uh, but my other stores in Ventura County, uh, there they have returned to outdoor dining. Thank goodness, because we were losing thousands of dollars every day. I'm not kidding. People yeah, I know. don't realize that. I
1: know. And I you mean, have twenty one thousand dollars in fines. In fines, right? Actually, I just looked at it right now, and it, it was it's it's probably about more like twenty four thousand dollars right now, because because
5: even after they allowed us to in LA County to have uh, outdoor dining again. They're still finding me. Now, I, I, today is the official day that you can reopen outdoors. I, I don't know why they waited a week, but I, I still stayed open. And, and the crazy thing is, if you look at this, I, I just have these numbers here. When they closed us down around November 29th, there were 2,049 people in the hospitalization Two days ago, there were 6,230 people. It tripled. But now they just say, okay, now you can open. It mm-hmm. makes absolutely no sense. I don't understand the logic.
1: Um, there is no logic. You live in California. Uh, <laughs> I know, man. I know. Uh, all right. So, Dave, we, uh, as you know, our audience uh, has r- done a fundraiser for you. And we're diving this um, uh, Dividing this money out, and we have a check for you for eighty-four thousand five hundred eighty-four dollars and seventy-four cents. Well, thank you. It is uh, it's our privilege and uh, and honor to stand with you. Well,
5: I'm sure I can share it with some other people too. I, I you know, we're in a, we're in a bind, man, but. But, um, I was very cool, man. Good people. Thank you so much, Glenn. You're welcome.
1: Dave, let us know how things are going. Make sure you make sure you stay in touch so we, we can, uh, hear about the amazing return. Dude, you're the man, Glenn. You have good people. I hope the best for you. You know, I, I've been following you for
5: a long time. Oh, thank you. You're a solid man. And I, uh, I, uh, I think I might even get a goatee going like you, too, man. <laughs> so,
1: Thanks so much.
5: I, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks so much. You're, God you're bless you. People. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Madison Cawthorn. An eighth generation resident in North Carolina's 11th congressional district. 2014, he nearly died in a tragic automobile accident, left him partially paralyzed and in a wheelchair. Uh, his ordeal uh, really built his faith, made him a fighter, helped him appreciate every day, and inspired him to help everyone he encounters overcome whatever adversity they face in their daily lives. He's a constitutional conservative. Madison is committed to defending the values of faith, family, and freedom. He's the youngest member now of the 177th Congress. Madison Cawthorn not only represents the residents of uh, North Carolina, but also young Americans across the nation who want their voices heard in the highest halls of democracy. He is under attack now. Um, as an enemy of the state or the enemy of Congress, we uh, are joined now by Congressman Madison Cawthorne. Madison, how are you? Cool.
6: Gwen, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on my show. And it's no exaggeration that I am under attack by what I'd call the mainstream media and by really the socialists in Congress. You know, the, uh, the number one reason I think this is happening, and it's no surprise, we knew this was going to happen, is because the people in my district, you know, they had a choice throughout every election. You, know, you can send someone who wears tasseled loafers and pleated pants and uh, has soft hands and is going to go and, you know, get along with everybody in D.C. And uh, you might see his name in the paper when he signs on to a bill. But, you know, uh, really just uh, uh, someone to go to D.C. And, and keep the status quo. Or they could have chosen to send somebody like me, somebody who wants to go there and destroy the administrative state, get rid of what we call these swamp creatures, these bureaucrats who have, are not elected, but they are appointed, and then they're, they're promoted within these three-letter agencies, and then they pass ridiculous regulations upon me. Uh, they don't, Congress doesn't want me in there because I'm someone who's going to speak out against this radical agenda of being able to rule through executive order uh, and being able to tell the American people what to do and when to do it. Uh, you know, Glenn, I stand against that. And if I'm hated within Washington, D.C., but beloved in my mountains of Western North Carolina, then Glenn, I got to tell you, I think I'm doing something right, sir.
1: So um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yesterday um, responded to Ted Cruz um, when he said, hey, we can work together. Uh, She said, I'm 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 happy to work with almost uh, anyone other than the GOP uh, who's trying to get me killed. If you want to help, maybe you can resign. Uh, That's are you dealing with her at all? I mean, is, is there is there any relationship
6: there is? Well, there is not. and I think this speaks to the broader issue that we're seeing, you know, in our culture. And now it's seeping into our government. It's called cancel culture. It says, hey, you don't exactly agree with every ideological point that I do, so I want to get rid of you. Uh, you know, the, the Congress has been calling, and Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, you've heard it over and over. They've been calling for, and I'm using air quotes here, unity. Uh, but Glenn, I've said this many times. My friend Charlie Kirk said it as well. They're not talking about the, the American unity we imagine uh, that was under Ronald Reagan or, or you know, on uh, December, December 12th, right after the Twin Towers fell, that kind of American unity. When they're talking about Soviet unity, the kind of unity where you've silenced every single voice of dissent, you have absolutely no diversity of thought, and therefore everybody agrees with you. It's like the Imperial Romans, you know. They would they would go in somewhere where there were enemies, there was an uprising, they would kill everybody, create a desert, and then they would go back home and say, look, I brought peace to the region." That is what these people mean by unity. And I'm telling you, it's wrong, and it's not its not conducive to a healthy and prosperous society. You know, having dueling ideas is what leads us to making better decisions for the American people.
1: So, Madison, um, you know, we can and we have unified before, um, but we have to have principles in common. We don't have to have policies in common. We don't have to have faith in. We don't have to have anything really in common except a few principles, and those principles everybody raises their hand to say I will protect and defend those principles. Um, are they? Are there principles we can unite on, Madison? If we don't, uh, no, you, if we don't agree on the Constitution and Bill of Rights.
6: No, there are no principles we can agree on because you know, there, people so like, oftentimes like to refer to people like myself, Josh Hawley, Matt Gates, Ted Cruz. They say we're far right, but uh, I kind of wince when I hear that because, as you know, there's no such thing as far right for me. There's no such thing as center right for me. There is only the Constitution. That is the only thing that guides me. And If you do not agree with that document, then you and I do not see eye to eye. We cannot govern together. Uh, the the problem is, I mean, you see uh, AOC, to talk, bring her up again, she has literally said that perhaps it's time to start a commission to look into uh, the, this, this journalism that's so dangerous. That means getting rid of freedom of pre- the press. Uh, these people want to censor what we can say so that they, they can control what we can think about. And you can see throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, they're trying to control when we can congregate, when we can worship, where we can get together. Uh, you know, in 1776, the way the seeds of uh of of our of our freedom were planted, it was done in taverns, it was done in churches, and it was done in town squares. Uh, but they've gotten rid of the new town squares, so you can't really speak your mind there on social media. You can't go out to a bar anywhere in the country, and I'm telling you, they won't even let us go into church. One.
1: So, what do you see as the the main fight for you? Where are you? What are you going to concentrate on? Because it's everywhere. So what is the thing that you say, this is where I can be most effective?
6: Well, you know, what? there's multiple points. So on one side, I'm elected to help the people of my district. And now that we're moving into the era of big government under the Democrats, you know, my goal is to get as much money as they or We can give back to my district, although I completely disagree with it. And I think it's bad for the entire country's economy and prosperity in the long term. Uh, and so, you know, I'm going to be working on infrastructure reform, trying to get more rural broadband. But you know what? Where I'm really trying to cross uh, cross boundaries and break into new people groups that don't normally think conservative thoughts is I'm wanting to present these big conservative ideas of limited government, of uh, self, self-determinance, of, of uh, personal responsibility. I'm wanting to bring those and package them well on social media so that people in my generation who have been deceived by socialism can realize that you know our our policies work. Our ideas work uh, because right now you are many people in my country, in this country, uh, they are only being exposed to what the left is telling them. And you know the left is telling them that everyone on the right is xenophobic, bigoted, racist, and that we're all uneducated. But my friend, you know what? I, if they want to attack people for not having a college education, I, I got to push back on that and say that. I think that if we had less people wearing suits and ties and more people wearing work boots, making legislation decisions in our country, we'd be doing a whole lot better.
1: Um, What has your life been like since the election and, and uh, entering into Congress? Anything you've been surprised Uh, by?
6: So I'll say it's been, it's been a tale of two cities. You know, on one side I have, created a lot of enemies inside the beltway of Washington, D.C. Uh, the establishment on the left detests me because I'm willing to stand up and speak out against them. Uh, they know that I've got uh, my own platform, so I, I, I don't need to bow down to these journalists who uh, think that they can determine everything that happens in this country. Uh, and so sometimes when I go to Washington, I feel pretty uh, despised. But then as soon as I come back to Western North Carolina, I'm greeted with love and and thankfulness from people because they're excited to have someone that actually represents their viewpoint. And people are starting to realize, just like you saw how uh, the SEC is not allowing, you know, just normal everyday Americans to be able to beat these hedge fund managers. Uh, Just as you saw throughout the election, uh, they didn't want normal everyday Americans in Wisconsin or Arizona to be able to determine the election outcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when I go up there and speak out against this, these people have to test it. But the people in Western North Carolina, the people I was elected to represent, they love it. And it is the honor of a lifetime to get to serve them.
1: You know, I tell you, we've we've talked about it on this program several times, really since nine eleven. If you, you know, Nancy Pelosi is talking about building a fence around the Capitol and that she is uh, feels the enemy is within. I got to believe that makes the Republicans feel good. The enemies are within. Uh, They're surrounded by people in Congress that want them uh, dead, according to Nancy Pelosi. And the best way to keep Congress safe and for the continuation of our of our of our system, of our government, in case of a horrible uh, terrorist attack or something else, uh, you know, God strikes the building with lightning or something. um, The best way to protect is to send all of the congressmen in the Senate home we can do all that you do electronically and you then are more responsible and more plugged in to your local area and you don't lose touch with those people and those people can actually not lose touch with you they don't have to go to the hallowed halls and uh, see everybody all puffed up in their big offices in uh, in washington dc they're Protected for continuation of government. They're protected from corruption, at least easy corruption. It makes the lobbyist have to spend a lot more money flying all around the country. I don't know why we haven't proposed this in Congress yet.
6: Well, you know what? I do think that there is something to be said for all of us uh, coming together and sitting down and, and creating relationships. Uh, I do understand what you're saying. And, you know, Glenn, I've actually made the decision, although it creates a lot more stress on me and a lot more travel time. Uh, I do not live in Washington, D.C. I don't have a residence there. I, I sleep in my office. And the reason is because of exactly what you just said, uh, Glenn. I don't want to be inundated inside of Washington, D.C. I don't want that to be my home. I don't want to feel like that's normal. So I've decided to live back home in my district. So I've got to fly a whole lot more. My life is here. Uh, my life is here. My, my church, my friends. And you know what? I've got to go out to Cracker Barrel. I've got to go to the gun show. I've got to go to church. And my constituents can look me in the eye and say, hey, why did you vote on this bill? Why are you doing this? Why are you backing down? Why don't you have a backbone? And you know what? I think there's a lot to be said for that. So I don't think we should allow our congressmen and women to be able to live in Washington, D.C. I think that's the reason they put it on top of a swamp. It is. Um, yeah. It, the, the only thing is, I do have a little bit of concern about doing congress through electronic means uh you know when you, if i look back to history and look at really when the death throes of the Roman republic were happening it was right towards the end to the fall there's really a lot of centralization of power in almost nearly what they would call proxy voting and so you know i got to give that some more thought but I, there is something to be said for living in your district which i have committed to do for the rest of my term in congress
1: madison cawthorne thank you so much uh best of luck and uh Keep up the uh, proverbial and uh, metaphorical fight in Congress. Thank you so much.
6: Uh, Glenn, you're a patriot. Thank you for fighting for all of us. Talk to you soon, sir.